0: Happy Monday and welcome to Not Boring. Today's a special one. I'm teaming up with Lillian Lee of Chinese Characteristics. So back in January, I wrote a piece about Alibaba. Lillian, who's writing on Chinese tech, I'd read and respected, but who I'd never met, dunked on it on Twitter. She said while I enjoy Packy's work, I think this piece mixed local context. Which, fair. She also wrote a more complete response on her Substack. I love getting your perspective. One of the reasons that I write is so that people who are smarter on a particular topic than I am share their knowledge. And when it comes to China Tech, Lillian, who worked as a VC in Europe but is now based in China, is as smart as it gets. She writes a great newsletter called Chinese Characteristics, and you should go subscribe to it if you don't already, which you should, at LillianLee.substack.com. And so Lillian and I got to know each other after that exchange. We decided to team up, reprise the old bull and bear shtick, but together this time. In other words, we shifted our debate method to real-time engagement. That's a joke, and maybe you'll get it in a few minutes. (laughs) Let's get to it. Agora, bull and bear. In 1997, two Chinese engineers joined the founding team at early video conferencing startup WebEx. A decade and a half later, each started his own company. One, Eric Yuan, founded a company that you're all too familiar with, Zoom. The other, Bin Tony Zhao, founded Agora. If you've joined a conversation on Clubhouse, attended a virtual event on Run the World, or binged live streams on Billy, you've experienced Agora. It's been sitting there, in the background, making sure the audio and video come through clearly. Agora builds real-time audio and video capabilities and delivers them as a software development kit, or SDK, an application programming interface, or API, for app developers. It's an API-first company that makes it easy for developers to add real-time video and audio into their product. Stripe for real-time voice and video engagement, if you will. The company is so API that its ticker is API. Agora is also a great excuse to cover a few different relevant topics. API-first businesses and business models, live video streaming and all of its use cases like telemedicine and education, and the audio chat wars. Because Agora sits in the background, it's a picks and shovels company, it doesn't care who wins as long as more people communicate, learn, heal, play, and live real life online in real time. Agora, dual-headquartered out of Shanghai and Santa Clara, went public in June last year. It was relatively quiet for its first six months as a public company, bouncing around the $3-6 billion billion dollar market cap range, until investors picked up on the Clubhouse connection in January and sent shares soaring. In February, the company topped out over $12 billion before crashing after providing conservative 2021 guidance on its last earnings call. Today, the company is trading at a six point five billion dollar valuation on projected twenty twenty one revenue of one hundred and eighty two million dollars. It's cheaper, but it's not cheap. As Packy was browsing Adam for its numbers, he was confused when he saw that FY twenty one consensus enterprise value to EBITDA was four point zero six X. Seemed like a steal. Then he looked more closely. That's four point zero six thousand times EBITDA. It's less than eight years old and still growing quickly, 74% year-over-year, and most of its revenue still comes from China, about 70%. It's young and fast-growing enough that whether you're bullish or bearish on the company depends less on today's metrics and more on how you think about its growth potential and defensibility going forward. There's a good case to be made on both sides, and we're going to do just that. Packy's going to take the bull case, and Lillian's going to take the bear case. Then we'll fight it out and let you know where we end up. To get there, we'll cover Agora's history, API's API, China's live streaming boom, what Agora looks like today, the bull case for Agora, The bear case against Agora, and bull and bear. To kick it off, let's go back to the granddaddy of online video communication, WebEx. Agora's history, from WebEx to YY to API. Who knows what video communication on the internet would look like today, if WebEx just embarrassed its employees a little less. Eric Yuan explained to Best Member partner Byron Dieter, Every time I talked to a WebEx customer, I felt very embarrassed because I did not speak with a single happy WebEx customer. After 14 years at WebEx, the last four under Cisco, which acquired WebEx in 2007, Yuan left to found Zoom in 2011. He set out to build what he couldn't convince Cisco execs to let him build at WebEx, a new version of the product rebuilt from the ground up with customer happiness in mind. Bin Tony Zhao, another WebEx founding engineer, had similar feelings. After building and releasing real-time audio sessions, he said on GGV Capital's Next Billion podcast, quote, I started to regret taking that job because I got a lot of complaints after the first release, and I realized there are some complaints that I believe I cannot solve at that time. Zhao didn't have Yuan's patience. He left in 2004 to start NeoTasks, which he describes on his LinkedIn page as P2P streaming technology and service provider for various companies in media, advertising, video sharing industries. In 2008, Zhou sold Neotas to Chinese streaming site YY.com and joined the company as CTO. That experience shaped what he would build at Agora. YY, during the early 2010s, was China's second life. The documentary called People's Republic of Desires gives a glimpse into this brave new world where fortunes were made online. According to Interconnected's Kevin Su, YY is one of the first live streaming platforms to reach scale in China, if not the world. It is arguably one of the first instances where people were quote, living real life online. Like Tencent's QQ, which was early to new forms of online monetization like avatars and digital gifting, YY was early to gifting and tipping with virtual goods and real money, a behavior that now, that is now common online. The company also pushed the boundaries on real-time engagement. As Kevin told TechBuzz China's Ray Ma, that under Zhao, YY could handle 8 million concurrent users and up to 100K in the same room back in 2011. That year, it handled 421 billion voice minutes, more than Skype. After working in B2B at Webex, YY opened Joe's eyes to the potential of the consumer internet. He told GGV's Next Billion podcast, I started to realize this technology is not going to be only sitting in the conference room, not only serve the purpose for people to negotiate or discuss certain business topics. It actually helped people to live online. Like they can play, they can have a party, they can sing karaoke, they can actually make friends online through video chat, audio chat. I can envision from there, people can actually live online, and that's part of the inspiration that led to Agora as well. In 2013, realizing the opportunity to accelerate the transition to rich online experiences through real-time audio and video, Zhou left YY to start Agora. Unlike Yuan, who wanted to build a better version of the user-facing product that the two built at Webex, Zhou wanted to build products that helped developers build new user-facing products like Webex and YY. He wanted to build APIs. Like Yuan, Zhou's track record made fundraising easy. He raised $6 million from a couple of a couple of months after forming the company and went on to raise $126 million from top investors including SIG, GGV, and CO2. Zoom was praised for raising so little, $146 million, before going public. Agora raised even less. Zoom took eight years to go public. Agora took less than seven. But while Zoom is a household name, chances are you haven't heard much about Agora. That's because of what it builds and who it builds for. APIs, APIs. Agora builds APIs and SDKs for real-time voice and video communication. It's one of a growing number of communications platforms as a service, or CPaaS, companies, along with Twilo, Twilio and Vonage, and more specifically, builds itself as a real-time engagement platform as a service, or RTE pass. This is getting out of hand. It provides a software-defined real-time network, SDRTN, solution to deliver high-quality video and audio across a wide range of devices and environments. Okay, I'll stop. With the acronyms out of the way, what does Agora actually do? Like any good API-first company, Agora lets developers build some superpower into their products with a few lines of code. Stripe lets companies accept payments, Stitch lets them onboard and authenticate users, Agora lets them embed high-quality real-time audio and video. Agora is not for static video or audio. The next YouTube, Netflix, or Spotify won't be built on Agora. It's for interactive, real-time video and audio like one-to-many live streams, audio chat rooms, or one-on-one use cases like telemedicine or tutoring. Before Agora, and even occasionally today, web companies spun up their own products by building on top of the open source WebRTC standard. WebRTC is built on the public internet, which is a best effort network. It will make the best effort to deliver your data. In many cases, the best effort is not good enough, leading to laggy or glitchy video and audio. If your business relies on video and audio, you need a better solution. Speaking of which, I know that there's (laughs) running water in the background, I know there's a fire alarm beeping, it's part of my shtick now, I guess. Anyway, that's what Agora built. According to analyst Richard Chu, Agora builds on WebRTC with over 200 co-located data centers globally, dedicated to processing real-time audio and video data. To further improve performance, Agora uses intelligent algorithms to monitor requests and optimize data transition transmission paths to ensure low latency under 300 milliseconds and resilience to packet loss up to 70%, which ultimately translates into a superior end-user experience. This virtual overlay network is called the SDRTN. Agora does a ton of engineering work and spends a ton of money on co-located data centers behind the scenes to make real-time audio and video just work. The result is that someone on Wi-Fi in Ghana and another person on 4G LTE with spotty signal in Florida can sit in the same Clubhouse room with thousands of other people and hear the conversation crystal clear. In fact, Clubhouse was apparently built in a week on top of Agora's voice APIs. Because Agora's product is an SDK and over 200 specific APIs, all of which work seamlessly with a wide range of programming languages and devices, it makes something previously expensive, slow, and complicated cheap, fast, and easy. In fact, one Agora customer interviewed on a Tegas expert call said that his company tried to spin up its own product using WebRTC, but shifted course when they achieved only 80% reliability internationally. After building on Agora, he said that going back to WebRTC to save money is, quote, probably not a feasible option in a way that we want to focus on what we're good at as a company. That's the power of API for his businesses. As Packy wrote in APIs All the Way Down, this is the beauty of API-first companies. They allow customers to focus on the one or two things that differentiate their business while plugging in best-in-class solutions everywhere else. Instead of wasting time trying to resolve all of the hard technical problems, not to mention setting up 200 co-located data centers around the globe to ensure global reliability, Agora's customers just write a few lines of code to plug in the best technology on the market, which constantly improves as Agora's team ships updates. Plus, Agora's customers pay as they go, making it easy to get started. Agora is free for the first 10,000 minutes each month, and afterwards, it charges per 1,000 minutes with different rates for different products and quality levels. It applies automatic volume-based discounts, free up to 10,000 minutes, 5% off from 100,000 to 500,000, 7% off from 500,000 to a million, and 10% off from 1 million to 3 million. Putting that in perspective, assuming that Clubhouse gets the 10% discount and nothing special on top, each hour-long Clubhouse room with the max of 8,000 people costs $427.68. That same room in standard video would cost $1,723 per hour for standard quality. Premium would run you $3,883 per hour. It's no wonder Clubhouse's founders have said they want to keep the product audio only. Video is expensive. While Agora can serve all sorts of use cases, one-on-one telemedicine consultations, audio room, in-video game chats, and more, it's bread and butter, and where it makes the most money is one-to-many video live streams. It's hard for Westerners to appreciate the magnitude of the live-streaming opportunity without experiencing it firsthand, but it's central to the Agora thesis. Luckily, Lillian can give the local perspective. China's live-streaming boom. Saying live-streaming is big in China is akin to calling your phone a smartphone. Technically correct, but so obvious it's redundant. Since the advent of 4G and the rollout of 5G, live-streaming and short videos are the two new mediums of the Chinese internet. As a delivery mechanism since 2015, live-streaming has... Come to encompass entertainment, education, socialization, and bolstered by COVID-19, commerce. In 2020, 560 million people in China watched live streams, roughly 39% of China's population, and the Chinese live streaming market in e-commerce is estimated to be worth 1.05 trillion RMB, or 165 billion dollars. In China, live streaming is the metaverse's manifestation that's eating the world. A leisurely stroll down the streets of Shanghai shows the donut light of live streaming as a familiar fixture in boutiques. Occasionally, in particularly touristy or scenic spots, you'll see live streamers in the wild, talking to their fans who are flooding them with messages and gifts. In quieter cafes, students stream tutoring courses from superstar teachers. Every other night, Lillian's mother tunes into her Chinese stock course with her favorite key opinion leader, along with thousands of others on a WeChat mini-app. Whatever Chinese consumer app Lillian opens these days, be it Taobao, Pinduoduo, or Xiaohongshu, China's closest equivalent to Instagram, the first prompt is to view the current live streams for different products. In live streaming monetization models, Lillian wrote, live streaming as a medium is a conflation of a product as well as a distribution channel. It exists on a spectrum of being pure entertainment on one side and a new go-to-market strategy on the other, with different kinds of monetization models for each side. While Western startups have centered around the live streaming as a product theme, China, with its enabling infrastructure and payments and fulfillment, have been quick to adapt live streaming as a new distribution channel. This June's 618 shopping festival saw Alibaba and JD.com report a combined total of $136.5 billion of live streaming sales. Kuaishou surpassed 170 million daily active live streaming shoppers in June, and Pinduoduo wants its 500 million users to start streaming as well. No longer just for small ticket items, houses, cars, phones have all been sold during the lockdown, live streaming is climbing up the value chain. Live streaming's journey looks a lot like our familiar Gartner Gartner hype cycle. The great unlock for China's live streaming industry was monetization, but since then it has entered the culture. It's created an entire ecosystem of new live streamers and the talent agencies, called MCNs, that spot talent and nurture them, or (laughs) lure unsuspecting folks in to fleece them. New industries can be grey areas. Remember that video on Twitter of all those people standing in a room in front of donut lights? That's a training camp for live streamers. Everyone is training to be the next Via, who's essentially Oprah incarnated as a live streamer. She can command 37 million viewers, which is bigger than the audience for the Oscars or the Game of Thrones finale, during a stream. Even Kim Kardashian had to pay a pilgrimage to the Don when she came out to T-Mall to sell her KKW-branded perfume. With Via's support, she sold out all 150,000 bottles in one minute. Was this a representation of one of social media's, social media's biggest stars acknowledging her successor in the dawn of the new medium at this point hopefully we've convinced you that live streaming in china is big and that live streaming e-commerce is an established distribution channel we should also highlight that it is enabled by local factors in china including embedded digital payment system robust logistics change for next day deliveries and re- returns an ecosystem of mcn's cultivating talent fandom culture which allows for a frictionless checkout and buying experience A lot of foundational pieces need to fall into place before the flywheel can really take off for live streaming e-commerce, which is a very specific form of live streaming. This means China's live streaming is not so much the future as much as a potential future for the world. What Agora looks like today. Live streaming, and particularly live streaming in China, has been Agora's core focus. It's the hardest to get right, and no one does it better than Agora for the price. But it's beginning to diversify. Today, Agora offers the following product lines, all supported by the real-time engagement platform. Voice call, video call, interactive live streaming, recording, real-time messaging and agora analytics. As more competitors enter the space, we're seeing an increasing verticalization and internationalization of the product range. One focus area is education. As education moves online and superstar teachers live stream to much larger classes than was possibly possible physically, Agora is flexing its muscles to accommodate new needs. At the beginning of the pandemic, the company worked with New Oriental Education, a publicly traded private education company, to bring the school online in a week, supporting classes as large as 20,000 concurrent students. It's leaned into education heavily since. Later last year, Agora announced the release of Flexible Classroom, a low-code application targeting education providers. They're augmenting the education product suite with acquisitions, including EaseMob, an instant messaging API provider, and an interactive whiteboard API provider. The company has also been on a roll in obtaining a slew of security clearances such as HIPAA, which allows them to serve the booming telemedicine market, and GDPR, which should give Western companies more comfort in Chinese tech. The future of product for Agora will be moving towards greater localization as it tailors their offerings to the requirements of regions outside of China. Customers In China, Agora focuses on education, entertainment, gaming, healthcare, with emerging categories like finance, IoT, and e-commerce. As it makes an international push, it's seeing success with customers who share those use cases, including Hollow and in Education, Clubhouse and Entertainment, Unity and Gaming, and Talkspace and Telehealth. Over the past couple of quarters, non-China revenue has grown from 20% to nearly 30%. Its NASDAQ listing, Clubhouse's meteoric rise, have no doubt helped give Western customers more confidence. Together, Agora's customers now consume 40 billion minutes per month, or nearly half a trillion minutes annually. Those minutes translate directly into top-line growth. Financials. As its customers consume more minutes, Agora is growing tremendously quickly. Growth naturally slowed from a COVID charge 166% in Q1 2020, but it still grew 74% year-over-year last quarter. The company has solid gross margins of 60%, but they're on a slight downtrend. As gross margins compress and SG&A and R&D expenses increase, Agora dipped back into the red for the past two quarters after being profitable in Q1 and Q2 of 2020. Those two quarters of profitability are a good sign that as top line grows, Agora can generate profits. But it's ramped up spend in R&D to continue to build its lead on the technical side and improve localization and SGNA to acquire more international customers. Agora is an API-first business, which means it grows in two ways: acquires new customers or existing customers' usage expands. It tries to get into companies early and grow with them as they grow, and it's working. Agora reported comically high 179% dollar-based net revenue expansion in 2020, meaning that the same customer spent 79% more last year than the year before on average, even accounting for any customers that churned. That's top percentile stuff, and a testament to Agora's stickiness. That kind of growth and retention doesn't come cheap. Based on Public Comp's data, it's the sixth most expensive company in the Best Member Venture Partners cloud index at a 295 times EV to 2021 revenue multiple. But it's also the fourth best based on the Rule of 40, a SaaS heuristic that says that companies are strong when their Y-over-Y revenue growth plus free cash flow adds up to more than 40%. Agora is at 77%, behind only Zoom, Square, and Shopify among BVP cloud companies, and right ahead of Twilio. Agora is young, expensive, and fast-growing. It's the only company in the BVP Rule of 40 Top 5 with a market cap under $10 The next closest, Twilio, is 10 times more valuable at $65 billion. Agoraphilia, the bull case. I'm making my bull case on growth, not price. Agora is certainly expensive today. To be an Agora bull, you need to believe three things. One, live streaming will continue to grow. Two, Agora has the best product in the market. And three, it's defensible against bigger incumbents and startups alike. That's it. Let's take a look at each. One, live streaming will continue to grow. As Lillian highlighted, live streaming is massive in China. Live streaming e-commerce in China alone is a $165 billion market. That's e-commerce sales via live streaming. Market Research Future expects the live streaming market more broadly to reach $247 billion globally, growing at a 28.1% CAGR between now and then. There are some major catalysts. 5G. As 5G rolls out, it'll be cheaper, faster, and easier to create and consume live streaming content from anywhere audio chat clubhouse just announced a series c valuing the company at four billion dollars on the heels of a january series b at one billion whether you think that's ridiculously overvalued or not i do for the record it's a good sign for agora's most prominent western customer and it's accelerating the adoption of audio chat as a feature twitter rolled out spaces spotify acquired locker room to build its own clubhouse competitor facebook of course is jumping in slack announced its own clubhouse competitor on clubhouse and even fucking linkedin is building a clubhouse like functionality while these platforms are big enough to roll their own tech Even if they don't go with Agora, they're signaling to new companies in Agora's target market that they, too, should be adding audio chat into their products. If audio chat is a commoditized feature, that's a good thing for the companies that sell audio chat picks and shovels. The verticalization of Zoom. Zoom's rapid COVID ascent attracted countless startups building products that take live streaming video for granted and embed it to create tailored experiences that solve particular user needs. J.J. Osland wrote about this trend in The Verticalization of Zoom. All these new video-based products fighting it out for customers is a great thing for Agora and other video APIs. We haven't even talked about AR, VR, and the metaverse, but at this point, you know I'm bullish. Joe has hinted on his ambitions in VR in particular, and Agora is already integrated in some VR education products. There will be no shortage of demand for products that make it easy to embed real-time voice and video into products as the world continues to move online. The question is, will Agora capture the opportunity? Two, Agora has the best product in the market. We're going to assume that most of the large players like Facebook and Twitter will build or acquire their own video and audio products, but that startups are not going to build for themselves. It's too costly and time-consuming, and they're not going to be able to match Agora. So which product will they use? Agora has become the go-to piece of the tech stack for companies building video streaming products. In Zoom's blank check, Packy wrote, Akarsh Sanghi, who recently launched a video streaming product platform for lifestyle creators called Reach.Live out of YC, told me that all the new YC companies are building on the same stack. React application on the client side, TypeScript, Hasura, Postgres, WebRTC, and Agora APIs for the video player. Agora targets companies with scale ambitions. It's built for developers and pursues a bottoms-up go-to-market strategy. It gives away 10,000 minutes per month so the builders can try the product and then retains them with affordable pricing and a quality experience. According to the company itself, its advantages come from the SDRTN, the Software-Defined Real-Time Network, and 200-plus global data centers, which minimize latency, its flexibility via a suite of customizable APIs, its ability to scale to millions of users, and compatibility with a multitude of development platforms and devices. Agora is so confident in its product that it's piloting the XLA or experience level agreement, a play on the SLA that's based on experience instead of just uptime. Customers shouldn't have to pay for laggy video or audio just because it technically gets through. That's a move you make if you believe that you have the best experience and want to force competitors to play by your terms. According to multiple customers interviewed on Tegas, all of whom evaluated multiple competitors for their products and whose uses range from video game audio chat to -to one-to-many online video education, Agora's advantages come down to a combination of price, ease, scalability, and quality. Some competitors do certain things better than Agora. Dolby.io has more top-end audio functionality, for example. But the sentiment is that no product works as well across video and audio for close to the price as Agora does. Agora is currently used by some of the biggest live-streaming platforms in China, YY, Momo, Bilibili, New Oriental Education, and Huya. And it's live streaming, as live-streaming takes off in the West, it's well-positioned as a safe, scalable, affordable choice. Nobody ever got fired for buying Agora. Three, it's defensible against bigger incumbents and startups alike. Agora is not alone. In unbundling Zoom, Auslan expanded on that trend, highlighting that many players in the video API wars. First, there's a wave of startups building video APIs. Hopin, one of the fastest-growing startups in history, is built on MUX, as are SoulCycle and Equinox's streaming and on-demand classes. Not boring portfolio company TeamFlow is built on Daily, and CEO of Flow Crivello told me they love it. Daily counts Y Combinator, Icebreaker, and Tandem among its clients, too. Twilio offers solutions more geared towards less-sensitive price enterprise clients who may already use Twilio's original messaging products. There are more, as seen in the chart above in the original post at NotBoring.co, and more even beyond that, Meanwhile, incumbents and large cloud players like AWS and Tencent Cloud have ambitions to build to enter in the real-time engagement space. But Agora has moats against both, starting with scale economies. Scale economies against startups make sense, and are similar to those enjoyed by any API-first first first mover. Agora's 200-plus data centers are hard to replicate advantage, and it's able to spread the cost of developing better solutions to edge cases across more customers. When the difference between excellent and terrible performance is measured in milliseconds, the little things matter. Startups competitors, startup competitors will steal particular use cases like one-on-one chat or high-end audio from Agora, but I don't think they'll be able to catch Agora's quality and scalability across the full suite of real-time engagement products. Interestingly, that scale advantage extends to its battle against larger, better-funded cloud giants. One expert, an executive competitor, told Tegas that Tencent Cloud and AWS are limited by their own data centers because they're not willing to rent from cloud competitors. Tencent will struggle to compete for customers with global audiences, for example, because it's not willing to partner with AWS. Agora can rent from anyone, which gives it better global coverage, which gives it lower latency on calls with global participants. Another advantage is switching costs. One customer interviewed Antigas summed it up. He said, one thing I can tell you is that when it comes to price, if a company is not able to provide a model that is literally twice cheaper than Agora, it will be really hard for me to switch. Like if one of the Chinese companies says, hey, I can give you 100% discount from Agora's pricing, like I might consider. But if it's like 50%, like 40, 30, even 20%, like the cost of switching is so high. Finally, there's Agora's head start combined with focus. While this isn't a traditional moat, it is an advantage. The competitor exec on that said that even if the cloud giants poured a ton of resources into catching up to Agora, it would take them a year just to get to where Agora is today, by which point Agora would be another year ahead. Outside of Amazon with AWS, where they really created the market, there are no good examples of companies shifting from a customer-facing product to a developer-focused API product and winning. I have doubts that Zoom, which is making a big push on its own APIs, will be able to effectively compete with Agora either. In fact, I think Zoom should just buy Agora. I'm bullish on Agora. Real-time engagement is exploding and will become table stakes in many products. Standalone live streaming will continue to boom in China, and it's already beginning to spread to the rest of the world. Agora is best positioned to capture the opportunity, and it has most to protect its profits as competitors enter the space. All that, and it's only worth $6.6 6 billion. Over to you, Lillian. What am I missing? And this is Lillian's section. I am, of course, gonna read it uh, as Packy, but pretending to be Lillian. Yeah, I don't, Let's try it. Agoraphobia, the bear case. So let's go through each of Packy's assumptions and unpacky them. Live streaming's revolution will not be global. The thrust of the bull case for Agora is that live streaming will become as ubiquitous in the rest of the world as it has been in China. This glorious future where every dear reader will be half in the metaverse and half out. But what if this live streaming phenomenon doesn't become a successful Chinese export like the 2019 scooters and bike co-share waves, but rather like that of mobile payments? The enablers for live streaming in China was not just a rollout of 4G and 5G, but also effective monetization models and payment infrastructure that made it lucrative for live streamers, companies, and platforms to focus on live streaming. China's payment rails and systems have not just leapfrogged their Western counterparts, they're built by the tech giants like Alibaba and Tencent themselves. As such, they're tech led rather than finance led. Will embedding frictionless payment systems within live streams to the world be as easy as spinning up an instance of Agora? Without credible monetization model, live streamers wouldn't be incentivized to con- consistently live stream, and platforms wouldn't achieve content marketplace liquidity. We've seen the downfall of Meerkat, Periscope, and Facebook Live. Why is this time going to be different? Those didn't fail because the technology wasn't there, but because other enabling factors were not. But let's assume, we've got 5G, 5G, we've cracked payment, what else? Sounds strange, but the world needs to know to make live streaming fun. I recently tuned into Amazon Live and promptly shut the window after two minutes. It was so bland. The live streamers didn't know how to engage with the audience. The audience asked bad questions, there were no stickers or minigames that made it engaging. It was all functional and no fun. And I was not gonna waste my precious procrastination hours on there. I've noticed a similar thing on Clubhouse. People's conversations are meandering and not that engaging. Once the shininess of listening to your favorite tech celebrity wears off, the dopamine hits are, few and are far and few between. All of this is to say, live streaming the technology is here, but live streaming as a medium is not. That will take time and deliberate UX decisions to cultivate. If not done correctly and soon, people might lose patience for the technology altogether. After all, every form of entertainment will be competing against Fortnite. Also, why entertainment is a the default format, you ask? Because that's the format that makes money for Agora when you're charging by the minute. Quote, a technology is merely a machine. A medium is the social and intellectual environment a machine creates. Neil Postman, amusing ourselves to death. I'm reminded of Eugene Way's seminal status as a service blog post. He talked about how dull the early days of Twitter were, with people posting mundane life updates before tighter feedback in the form of status acquisition kicked in. This is where live streaming is now in the West, and it's got fiercer competition for attention than Twitter had. For China, there were many years of cultural cachet and users' training built on tip, tipping live streamers, or live streamers knowing how to perform for the camera and to engage audiences of thousands. This kind of cultural medium knowledge doesn't spring up overnight. Fundamentally, what I'm pushing back on is saying that a technology will get adoption because it's big in China, when really we should be asking what made it catch on there in the first place. Two, Agora has the best product for specific use cases in the market, and their business model is built around this. Agora was born and bred in a Chinese world of one-to-many live streaming transmissions. Their killer feature revolves around the fast and steady scale it needs when a streamer turns on their camera and talks to thousands of viewers. Even their pricing is aligned to this model. Having frequent one-on-one live streaming combos might not break the 10,000 free minutes a month mark, but a live streaming with a few thousands of concurrent users gets you there fast. Basically, Agora makes a lot of money when they get used for the use cases which they were built. Other use cases are doable, but it's not affecting the bottom line as much. As Packy said above, startup competitors will steal particular use cases. But what if we're in a best-of-breed world for live streaming and Agora's market share gets eaten one-by-one startup and enterprise competitors? And what if they're left with use cases and verticals that don't play to their pricing strengths? I can see a world where the Zoom API takes small-scale and internal enterprise conferencing— Mux takes enterprise grade quality video that gets recorded in the U S and big techs such as Twitter and Facebook will use their internal video options, which they can also white label to others in a market where you're competing against best of breed death will come in the form of a thousand cuts. Can Agora be all things to all people in live streaming? And if they can't, are they getting into the verticals that allows them to maximize their revenue? Agora's historical strengths have been in social gaming and education apps. They got into these apps early in China and grew with the company. Their growth, similar to the growth of other API-first companies, has been scaling with emerging companies. Have they arrived at the right time for that in the rest of the world? How many more clubhouses can there be for Agora? Customers who churn because they want to do it in-house. Chinese tech companies are like Western tech companies, but more so. By which I mean, they tend to do things by extremes. One thing they particularly love is building things in-house. For a core use case such as live streaming, once it gets big enough, almost every Chinese tech company will have the conversation of whether to bring it in-house. One comparative advantage Chinese tech firms hold is that labor is cheaper, and theoretically, the thinking goes, that should lower the total cost of ownership. I'm skeptical of whether this trend will play out in the long term for Chinese firms or Western firms. Twilio went through the same journey that Agora now is, and customers found the costly piece wasn't labor, but the ongoing maintenance. WhatsApp still pays Twilio hundreds of millions of dollars per year. I don't think that will stop them from trying this in the short term. It's interesting to note that on the customer page for Agora, heavy hitters such as Billy Billy, Tuan, and Huya have disappeared during 2020. While they might come back to Agora in a few years, the churn is still a concern in the short term. The Chinese company Spectre. There's a narrative tax on being a Chinese company these days. I'm commenting on the meta-narratives and the baggage associated with China in all fields, but particularly tech. It's debatable whether it's warranted, but it's definitely present, and it's not pretty. There's increasing concerns around being Chinese-affiliated company among your buyers, among your employees, and among the population at large. Zoom had to go through it as they exploded during COVID-19. Agora had to go through the public commentary cycle as Clubhouse got big. What we also know is that private conversations are happening behind closed doors on precisely the same topics. It affects buyers' perception and trust outside of anything that Agora does or doesn't do even as it has obtained ISO 27001, ISO 27017, ISO 27018 and SOC 2 Type 1 certifications and passed third-party GDPR, CCPA and HIPAA compliance testing and auditing. It's a shame, but also a reflection of our current geopolitical climate under the private economy. How much this will affect Agora's progress is hard to say, but the ambiguity is what makes it tough. Buller bear. So which is it? Buller bear. Agora is in a tricky spot, full of natural tensions. It wants to serve the broadest range of real-time engagement use cases well to appeal to the customers who need everything to just work, but faces competition from more geographically and use case-focused competitors. It wants to expand to the West, but hasn't made the proactive PR push that Zoom has to appease Westerners' security concerns. It wants its customers to get very big, but not so big that they build in-house. If Agora keeps growing at industry-leading rates in China while expanding to the West, the one to many 1000s use cases takes off outside of China, and Agora's product continues to be competitors on the combination of price and quality at scale, we might look back at 6 billion as a steal of the century in a few years. Agora is a bet that people will live more of their lives online and that large scale, one to many live streams will become more common. The internet rewards the best. Instead of 10 million teachers with 10 students each, the 100 best teachers will stream to a million students each. That same dynamic plays out across industries. If and when that happens, Agora is well positioned to win. But if competitors outfocus Agora by serving particular use cases better than it can serve those use cases as part of a broader suite, and if Agora is not able to shake its Chinese company label in the West, its growth may be limited and its revenue multiple will be hard to grow into. Ironically, Lillian is actually Long API and Packy doesn't own any shares. Will we switch positions? And what about you, Buller Bear? Let us know on Twitter at Lillian M. Lee and at PackyM. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great week, and I will see you on Thursday.